Welcome to Kick Back with Chris. Kick Back with Chris, the martial arts podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 31 of Kickback with Chris, the martial arts podcast. I hope you're having a great day, morning, evening, afternoon, whatever it is where you guys are, and a great start to your week. So joining us uh, later today, very excited to announce that we have Rob from McDojo Life uh, joining us. Um, it's actually a fantastic interview, uh, one that I really did enjoy going through with him, and um, as you'll hear later on, some... Uh, some interesting topics raised, you know, some some food for thought for sure, maybe some controversial points for some of you, but that's that's the whole point of this podcast, not to be controversial, but, you know, to have these uh, conversations that, you know, sometimes for some people might be difficult hearing, um, but, you know, it's good to challenge our thoughts, you know, as I've mentioned in previous episodes, you know, I myself have had my opinions on certain things changed through conversations with other people and you know that that's that's what it's about you know we're learning growing and evolving um our thoughts and our, our training within the martial arts so before then what we're going to do is we're just going to go through a uh, a few bits of news as we always like to do at the start of every episode um so we've got a couple of bits that have been posted in our event promotion group on facebook if you're interested in posting on there if you look up uh, podcast martial arts event promotion and you'll find us um the first one is from mr Brad Hennessy, who has popped on to let everybody know about the ICO British Open 2019, taking place on Sunday the 7th of April at the North Solihull Sports Centre. Um, this will also be a qualifying event for the ICO World Cup 2019 in Glasgow, Scotland. Um, now, the details are for the Sunday the 17th of April event. As I say, it's the North Solihull Sports Centre. Um, and the postcode for that is B375LA. Um, it's open to all associations and organisations. There's a spectator fee of £5 on the door. Um, I'm assuming that if you're wanting more information, the best thing to do uh, is to pre-register for information is go to www. And I'll, I'll write this out. Uh, sorry, write it out. Speak it out. K-I-H-A-P-P.com. So that's kiap.com. Um, and the registration closes on 2nd of April and opens on the 14th of March. Because should have said that the other way around. But there we go. It's done now. Um, now the next one is from Susan Crawford who's popped on to let everybody know about the Legacy Challenge. Um, I'm just going to read the details here that she's posted. So five weeks to go until the first Legacy Challenge martial arts tournament. This one is this is not one to miss. Uh, Sunday the 17th of March, uh, East Durham College in Peterlee. Uh, the pre-registration offer is the first division £20, subsequent divisions are £10. Registration closes on the 10th of March. Registrations on the day are £20 each division, so get registered now, obviously. And beginner sections available for 17 years and under in points and kata. It's a qualifier for the WMO. Um, if you're interested in more details, if you look up uh, the Legacy Challenge registration on Facebook, and um, they also have a website, which is... Um, oh, hang on. I'm not reading all that out. That's a little bit of a mouthful. Let me see if there's a smaller link for it. Um, forms. Right, so I'll... I'll um, oh, no, I can say this. So forms.zohopublic.eu. So that's Z-O-H-O-P-U-B-L-I-C.eu. 
So go and check that one out. Right, so away from the tournament scene, um, some of you will remember a recent guest. Well, I say recent guest. I can't remember how many back now it is. But we had um, Mr. Mike Fury on to discuss his book, Life of Action, which, if you haven't read, is a fantastic read. And if you're into martial arts movies, um, then I do recommend you go check this one out. It's a really nice book. Um, now, he's actually got some of the merchandise and things available, including some really nice limited edition prints, mugs, that sort of thing, and, of course, the book as well. So if you pop along to mikefury.net forward slash store, you can check that out there. You can actually get the book there uh, for nineteen ninety nine at the moment, which is a cracking deal. Um, and soon to be, if you keep an eye out as well, soon to be released um, volume two of Life of Action, and I'm hoping to get Mike back, back on at some point to, to chat about that. Um, also, again, in the Martial Arts Movie Connection, uh, really, uh, one I'm uh, uh, going to be looking out for when it releases, um, the Jackie Chan, Sammo Hung, Yumbiao film uh, Wheels on Meals is going to be getting a Blu-ray um, special edition release from Eureka Entertainment. Uh, I'm just going to pull up the details for this one, actually, because I was just reading about it before. Um, let me scroll down and find this. This is always where my internet stops working, right? There we go, found it, I found it. All right, so um, they're listing it as a 2K restoration. Um, obviously, uh, with the Blu-ray, they'll be upscaling as well. But obviously, this is a print from a film. Oh, man, I'm going to go off memory here, which is atrocious. It's Obviously, it's in the 80s. I want to say 84. 485 I'm probably off there a little bit but anyway it's a significant amount of time uh, uh, ago so uh, fantastic film uh, a classic everybody knows for probably for the for the end sequence fight scene between uh, Jackie Chan and Benny Akides uh, legendary action that so if you've not seen it I do recommend you go uh, check it out when it releases um, as I say from Eureka Entertainment and I'm just going to have a look, quick scout through this information for the release date i believe it's in march but if you go if you go look up um your entertainment on facebook they've got a facebook group and um check that out they've actually got a couple of other well a few other titles as well uh, from jet lee and other people as well so go support that it's always good to keep these um smaller companies in business um you know giving us these fantastic films so the final little bit of news before we pop over to um, our interview with uh, Rob from McDojo Life. Um, I actually had this guest on a couple of weeks back. So um, Mr. State was actually at an event I was at over the weekend and um, we got chatting about uh, something that he's launching. And I asked him if he could pop a quick recording through to us just explain a little bit what it's about. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to jump over to that and I'll catch you guys afterwards. Hi, Chris, and thanks for having us back on the podcast. So uh, the reason for today's conversation is that myself and a colleague called John Smith, um, we have started to put together a project called Fight Back Martial Arts. Now, this will be officially launched at the Friendly Bunch of Martial Artists weekend up at Skipsy in Yorkshire, and that's on the starting on the 29th of March. Uh, we'll be there all weekend, as will the organisation Minds at War, who are backing us with this. Now, they're a, uh, a major organisation that are uh, actively helping veterans across the country. They've just uh, managed to secure a very large facility that they're going to hopefully turn into a therapy centre. And um, what we're aiming to do is to bring together the martial arts community and provide training and uh, and martial arts assistance and hopefully try and train some of the guys up to become instructors, maybe um, help to create some jobs, build support, make a community, um, give the guys a structure and maybe even income and, and generally try and help these guys out. Now, they've 
you know, they've obviously been through the mill. They've struggled an awful lot. They're not getting anywhere near the, the help that, that they that they require and that they need. Um, and so the idea with this is that we can hopefully gather some funds together to try and help these guys out. Hopefully we can, you know, give these guys some support in the best way that we can, which is through our martial arts. We all know how valid that is. We all know you know, how positive martial arts training is to us. So I don't have to tell you guys that. We all know that. And so the idea is that we can positively impact these guys through martial arts. We can come together and, you know, we can hopefully raise some funds. We can hopefully give these guys, you know, some purpose and maybe even an income and a job at the end of it. So, you know, I really hope that you guys would be on board with this. There's a Facebook group called Fight Back Martial Arts. Please feel free to jump on that. Feel free to contact me. Uh, You know, my name's Matt State. You can find me. um, Just Google me or or speak to Chris and he'll give you my contact details. Please get in touch, you know, if you feel you can help. And um, and yeah, hopefully, guys we can get enough people on board that we can really make a change and make a difference to these people um, because they, you know, they deserve it. They deserve a helping hand after what they've gone through. So uh, Chris, thanks very much for giving me the opportunity to put this out there. And, um, and I look forward to seeing you soon, my friend. So I'm sure you'll agree from what Matt was saying there, very worthwhile cause and um, definitely something that I'm hoping that people will really support and get on board with. I know um, myself, obviously, with my teaching and with the podcast, I'll I'll be doing doing my part, um, you know, whatever I can to help out. So, yeah, do keep a, do keep an eye out for further details. Obviously, if you're wanting to know more or if you're needing to get in touch with Matt to offer your help or assistance in any way, then I'm sure he'll be he'll be more than happy to to take that um, information from you on Facebook. And um, if you need his details, then please do get in touch with me, and I'll pass them to you. Alternatively, if you just look him up on Facebook, I'm pretty sure you'll find him because he's uh, he's very active on there at the moment, and so it'd be quite easy to find. So on to the main events for today. Uh, my interview with Rob from Magnosia Life. Now, what I am going to say from the outset before we cut to this this clip um unfortunately from my side uh we had a couple of audio issues um one of those things these things just happen come up a bit disappointing that it happened with this one you know i was really looking forward to this and i and it's still an enjoyable interview but i just wanted to explain before we cut to this clip if you're hearing some weird squeaks and noises um for some reason one of my additional external microphones decided to um switch itself on and yeah you can probably hear the underneath of my seat creaking quite quite a bit through this one um but you know you can still you can still enjoy the episode but i just wanted to explain just so that people aren't messaging in asking what the weird noises are so yeah we'll cut to that interview now um enjoy really good food for thought and um i'll catch you on the other side you're listening to kick back with chris the martial arts podcast brought to you by www.onlinekicking.co.uk okay guys so joining us on the phone now we have a very very special guest joining us from Practically across the other side of the world, we've got the uh, fabulous Rob from McDojo Life. How are you doing, sir? Hey, good. How's it going? Really, really good. I can't tell you how genuinely excited I am about this interview today because I've been following your um, social media posts now for a while. Um, and as a martial arts school owner, um, you know, I see this sort of thing in the industry. You know, sometimes we struggle um, to, to sort of take fun of ourselves a little bit. We take it maybe a little bit too serious. And I love what you've got, what you're doing with this. Absolutely brilliant. So, um, what I'd love to do is to go right back to the start and, and find out a little bit about yourself and when you first got into martial arts, what maybe prompted that, and, and what systems you were training. Yeah, definitely. Well, uh, I started the martial arts when I was 12. Um, 
I was born with a uh, cleft lip and palate, so okay. I have scars on my face from the surgeries that I had to undergo. Okay. And, um, you know, as a kid, you get picked on and teased for things like that from children. And uh, one day in middle school, I got hospitalized by a group of kids. They, uh, oh, they jumped me. They uh, stepped on my head. They stabbed me with pencils, and they, uh, they, they beat me down for five minutes. Wow. Uh, the only reason I know it was five minutes was because they started beating me when the bell rang for the class to be out. And then the next bell to ring is the for the next class to be in. And they beat me from the bell to the bell. Um, so it was pretty bad. Two teachers stood there and watched the whole thing and didn't do anything about it. Um, they just kind of allowed it to happen, mostly because the the law or the rule in the school was the uh, the we had a, a police officer on site. And that police officer was supposed to be the one that was supposed to break up the fights. And he was breaking up a fight at that time on the oh, other side of the school. So. I just pretty much just got beaten down. And then uh, my friend of mine at the time who was running late for that class, he um, came up, he handed me a card. It was for karate. And he said, you need this. And uh, I asked my mom, who wouldn't let me do really any sports at all. She wouldn't let me do anything because she was afraid I'd get hurt. Um, but after that, I asked her if I could do karate and she gave it to me as a birthday present. So Excellent. now every uh, every year during my birthday, I celebrate another year in the martial arts. Fantastic. How many years is that now, is it? Uh, this April will be 22 years. Wow, that's that's great. That's great. I mean, I started. I was in the sort of late 80s, so I was sort of like a child of the sort of Karate Kid era, you know. As a lot of people were back then, it was Ninja Turtles, Karate Kid, you know, all that yeah. all that cool stuff that was around back then. Excellent. So, uh, but now that's, that's sorry to hear that. That's a horrific experience to have at a, a young age, but you know, obviously a defining moment in your in your life and your martial arts career as well. Yeah, man, it's a, it's a huge deal, and it definitely helped guide me to, to where I am now, and I'm actually very grateful for the uh, experience. I know that sounds funny, but mm. you know, I think that everything happens that is negative in your life always leads to something twice as positive. So um, I've never had any bad experience in my life that didn't guide me to something that was fantastic later on down the road. Right. So um, I always uh, embrace those bad moments because I know that something else is going to happen because of that. Mm -hmm. So um, could you share this a little bit about your um, – I, I feel this is important to leading on to what we're going to be talking about a little bit later. But you know, uh, your, your martial arts background, so the arts that you've trained in, the experience you've had with maybe competition, that sort of thing. Um, well, I started – um, training pretty art. I started uh, training when I was 12, like we said, but yeah. I started competing a month after that. Like, wow. uh, the first month I was um, I was training, I won. I got into a tournament, Fantastic. and um, um, I won. But the the thing was, like the kid that I fought at the time, he was like he had to move up a division, and I was the only one in my division, so it wasn't like a victory victory. But I still won, and yeah. you know that kind of fueled me a little bit to want to do more. So. Since that time, I'm a third-degree black belt in karate. I'm a third-degree black belt in a weapon system called Lissa Jodo, which is a weapon yeah. system not too many people have heard of. It basically just means I can swing nunchucks real well. <laughs> um, I am a purple belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I am a 6-0 amateur boxer, a 4-2 amateur kickboxer. And I was on a sport martial arts team that was an international team called Team Full Circle. Oh, yeah. And I traveled with them, and we did uh, martial arts tournaments pretty much every weekend for two years. Yeah, there. So, and again, just to explain my reason to listeners for asking, I think it is important that we establish that background before going on to some of the things later on. And um, people can, it's the sort of question that I, if I if I hadn't asked you, somebody would have asked in the comment section in the in the um, in the follow up to this one. So, um, I, be, I believe that you, you mentioned um, your training. I believe that you you teach and that you've in the past you've had a full time school as well. Yes, I. Uh, you know. 
the majority of my adult life has been uh, martial arts, uh, you know, obviously um, teaching or instructing in some way. But I did own a martial arts studio for four years. I owned a karate school um, and then I enjoyed that. But then I uh, while I was doing that, I was learning jujitsu and I got offered a position there to work and do jujitsu. Sure. And so I was uh, teaching jujitsu to kids there. And then I did that for quite a while until recently, actually. Uh, this year I decided to go full time with McDojo life mm. and I'm pushing hard to make this a, a, a brand that people can trust. And I'm pushing really, really hard to make it something that, um, people can rally behind so we can better the community. Absolutely. And, and that is definitely something I do want to touch on in a little bit as well. But I, whilst you listen to this guys, if you, if you're on your smartphone, you compete, you can go and go and look at it now on social media and you can have a little flick through so you can get an idea for what this is all about as we're discussing this. So was your, I, I'm just curious, um, as a, obviously as a martial artist and a school owner myself, was some of the inspiration for the group born out of your time working within the industry as a full-time instructor and the experiences you had with, with people, um, should we say, sort of connected with those circles? Yeah, I got you. So I'm trying to make sure I understand the question there. No, that's um, cool. So basically, you know, you're, I, I'm working in the industry myself as a full-time instructor. I, I meet some interesting characters, shall we say. And I just wondered if your initial sort of inspiration or the, the spark for this group, was it born out of your time working within the industry? Oh, I got, I got you. Um, yeah. I would have to say that the word McDojo, in the United States anyway, I don't know if it's big over there. Yeah. Um, it's it's been around for a long time. It was around way before I ever started training. It was just a staple in the community. And um we were talking about it one day a couple of years back. I've been doing the page for about five years now, but we were talking about it with a dude after class and he just didn't understand what that was. So I explained to him what a McDojo was and the best I could. And he was his question was, Man, that's crazy. Why doesn't anybody do anything about it? Mm. And I kind of like I didn't have an answer for him because yeah. I'm not sure. Why there, I don't know why there's no regulating body in the martial arts. I don't know why nobody calls these people out. I don't know why they're allowed to exist. And uh, so I fell asleep. And that's all I could think about that night was like, man, like, I think he has. Some, he's right. Why doesn't somebody do something about it? So I started that page the very next day. Wow. This is so how would you, in your opinion, how would you what would you categorize as a McDojo? Because. This is something that, depending on who you speak to, it's quite open-ended. So different people, it's so subjective, I guess. Different people have different ideas of what they feel constitutes a McDojo. So for you, what are the key elements that you look for to be able to say, yeah, that, 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 that school is really ripping people off? Well, I have, um, I have five very specific rules because what I notice is a lot of people – um, I've seen even articles that have been written are like these long diatribes about what McDojos are and all of these different um, rules and regulations for what they consider a McDojo. Like I've even seen one article that was a hundred ways to know that <laughs> like a hundred really like hundred different ways. So like I thought about it, and I was like, you know, what are some ways if we if we knocked down all the bullshit? Sorry if I cussed and that's not no, allowed. No, no, go for it. Um. But if we knocked down all the, the, I guess you could say the fluff, and we got down to things that aren't opinions, but things that are facts, then what are the five things that make a McDojo, no matter what the art is? Because I don't believe that it matters what the art is. I think that it's a lot more important what the instructor's doing. I don't yeah. even care if you teach yoga. Um, but I, I, it boils down to five major rules. So uh, I'll just break those down real fast for you. So uh, rule number one is uh, 
unsafe training practices. Mm -hmm. So like if your instructor is hitting you in the face as hard as he can without gloves to condition your head, that's ridiculous. That's how you get concussions. That's how people get hurt. If your instructor is making you spar outside with shoes on, that's (laughs) stupid because if you get knocked out and you hit the back of your head on concrete, you will die, you know, or um, let's say your instructor hits you with a stick every time you make a mistake. Well, that's abuse. I'm paying you. This is a service. You know what I'm saying? That doesn't, that doesn't, that's not conducive to learning. That's you just being a power hungry asshole. Um, So that's rule number one is unsafe training practices. Rule number two is no touch knockouts. You can't (laughs) knock someone out with your mind. That is impossible. (laughs) That is not a real thing. That is a joke. And people get brainwashed into believing this things. And it makes, it gives them a false insecurity if they were really going to get into an altercation. And so I think that's dangerous. So, um, uh, next is uh, shady business practices. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if uh, your instructor's knocking on your door because your tuition's late by a day and he's asking you for money or he's strong arming you for money, or, um, you know, let's say, for instance, you know, you sign up for a five year contract, which is dumb on your part to begin with, but if, let's say you sign up for a five year contract and then you cancel after a month and they, they hold you to five years of payment, then that's shady. That's pretty ridiculous. Um, or, uh, you know, the next one is child molesters. Um, there are a lot of child molesters who are in the martial arts community. Um, there's actually a guy, and he got convicted of molesting a 15-year-old girl. But for some reason, I guess whatever the plea deal, he wasn't, he wasn't having, he didn't have to be put on a registry. He owns three jiu-jitsu academies, what? yet he's, he's a convicted child molester. Jeez. You know, like, that's ridiculous. That should, and that kind of thing is a hot spot. You know, martial arts is a hot spot for that because they're technically not a child service. They're not a child provider. Mm-hmm. They're a martial arts industry. So a lot of uh, pedophiles hide and run to the martial arts community, which is fucked up. Sorry. No, no, um, no it's cool. It's cool. Now, um, it, yeah, it, it, it's, it's interesting. Your points, uh, it's really important, I feel, that we get that sort of um, outline reasoning for the labeling because sometimes you'll, you know, some of the crazy things, especially with social media as well, you'll see people like, oh, they're charging too much. They're in McDojo. And it's like, oh, hang on. Oh, you know, yeah, that's, that's the price <laughs> is subjective. Yeah. What is expensive to you is not expensive to someone else. And if anybody's going to open a business, I would hope the reason you opened a business is to make money. Mm-hmm. Like, why would you open a business if you wanted to be broke all the time? Exactly. You know, there's nothing wrong with making money. As a matter of fact, I don't even care how long it takes for you to get your black belt because that's, again, subjective. Look at somebody like BJ Penn who got his black belt in like, what, two or three years in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? Mm-hmm. And then we laugh at Taekwondo guys who get their black belt in two or three years. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's you laughing at the art. That's not you laughing at the situation because you, if you're going to say that there's a standard across the board, then that needs to be upheld all the time. But there really isn't, so that's kind of opinionated. Mm-hmm. You know, now, do I believe that children should have black belts? No, I don't. I think it's a responsibility just like having a car. You know, I think that no matter how much you've been racing your little four wheeler or your your tricycle doesn't mean you get to have keys to a car at the age of six. Mm. You're not responsible enough. You don't understand the responsibility of what you have. You're not going to understand that. And even teenagers don't quite understand that shit. (laughs) There are definitely some 20 year olds who don't understand. (laughs) You know, so the the. I think that that is one thing that bothers me. But again, it can't be a, a universal rule because there are people like Taylor Lautner, yeah. Caitlin Deschel, yeah. Matt Emig, all these amazing stunt artists and actors mm-hmm. who got their black belts at a young age. Mm-hmm. So if it wasn't for them getting their black belt at a young age, they might not have done all the things that they've done in the com- for the community. Absolutely. So I, I think that that's a hard standard to hold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, again, it's a subjective one, isn't it? Well, I mean, you know, um, 
Can you remember just just up, just something that's come to mind now? Can you remember the first video that you saw that you would classify as content for your for your group? I wouldn't even say it was the first video I saw. I mean, I had been training for years and years and years before yeah, sure. I ever opened the page. So I had seen this stuff in real life. I'd seen all kinds of ridiculousness throughout the years. Did it spring to mind immediately as being, what is this? <laughs> Everybody else is sort of stood around looking at this in awe. Were you sort of stood there thinking, hang on. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Like when you look at this kind of stuff, you know, when you're in the industry, you tend not to care as much because you're like, well, my people are good and they can beat up those people. So I'm not worried about it. <laughs> it's really an ego thing because I think I, especially a lot of traditional martial artists that I've talked to, um, they are like, oh, well, just let them be. You know, they'll people will realize that they're being taken advantage of. And they really don't no. because these people are very good salesmen and they're very good at spreading basically their cult. And if you look in Indonesia, like an art like Salat, mm-hmm. you know, they have kids who are getting run over by trucks who are getting severely hurt because in the name of their whatever their equivalent of chi is. Um, I've seen two kids get run over by a truck and severely injured, if not killed um, in the name of a martial arts demonstration because they believed in their voodoo. You know, I've seen kids eat glass and their their gums are cut up because they didn't eat the glass the right way. What does that have to do with self-defense? What does eating glass and getting run over by a truck have to do with martial arts? Mm. Nothing. And it's ridiculous and people get hurt because of that. You know, Kyoshu Jitsu, for instance, which is George Dillman's cult. Oh, yeah. Those guys believe they can knock you out with their mind, yeah. you know, like because of their chi. And the only people they ever seem to knock out are other people who do the art. <laughs> I've never once seen one of these people do it against somebody who was a willing participant to be knocked out, yeah. ever. And it's it's ridiculous, and people get hurt. But the last rule, by the way, was people who lie about their belt rank oh, yeah. or their fight record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, lots of those. <laughs> yeah, lots of those. But um, just on the subject of what you were talking about there with, with regards to the people who are getting hurt and the, 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 the cult-type behavior that goes on, I've, I've often wondered when I see these things, do you, and I just wonder what your opinion on it, do you think that this is sort of, it, it, it's, it's almost like a sort of a, a, like a blind faith, almost to the point of religion. I'm not going to get into a religious debate or start knocking religion or anything like that. But when looking at some of these, I'm wondering, is this sort of, is that bordering on what sort of like a faith or is it on the other side, some sort of, sort of mild level of, um, some subliminal work going on there. They like mildly hypnotized, so to speak, because that's really powerful stuff when done right. So I just remember what your take on it was. Well, I don't think that it's, I do believe that there definitely is in martial arts. I think that there's a really, really, really close tie to religion. Hmm. Um, you know, like, again, I'm not going to get too much into sure. it, but you know, most people, uh, as an example, you know, I'll just give you one example. Like every year, whenever I, um, go to uh i go to midnight mass which i'm not a very religious person myself but i go to midnight mass with my best friend's uh family and they are really religious and they're very catholic and every time i go i can't help but notice the similarities between that particular faith and their model and martial arts classes for instance if you look at um any religion typically you'll always have someone at the figurehead who's talking to you, whether it be a pastor, a preacher, a preacher, a rabbi, um, they're always standing at the front and talking to you as a group. Well, in a martial arts studio, that's the same thing. There's a gentleman who's a sensei and a senpai, um, you know, a master talking to you as a group. He's standing at the front. Um, Typically with like the Catholic religion, there's a lot of kneeling and standing. 
You know, you stand, you kneel, you stand, you kneel. And then um, and in martial arts, you typically bow on the mat. You bow off the mat. You bow on the mat. Mm-hmm. So that's a very, very close. Um, in the in most religious space, you usually have like the figurehead, uh, whoever it may be, typically like on a statue, for instance, like Jesus um, might be on a huge statue behind whoever's preaching. Well, if you look at martial arts studios, they usually have the pictures of the masters who came before on the wall as well. So the similarities are very, 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 very close. And um, to basically say that you could turn a a martial art into religion is, is not that, not that far fetched. I mean, all you have to really do after that is just basically take advantage of the power position that you have. If you're a, if you're an instructor and you have your, your people's best interests in mind, then it's not so much about you. It's a little bit more about your people. But whenever that paradigm switches and all of a sudden it's like, well, you know what we're going to do is we're going to make it so that way it's about me and it's about what I can do for you and it's about what you need from me, mm-hmm. uh, then it becomes more of a religion. I need this person in my life and now he's more than an instructor. He's my mentor and he's my uh, the person who gives me my advice and he's the person who helps me with my problems. Well, he's not qualified to do that. <laughs> you know, he's qualified to punch people in the face. That is skill set. And um, it's funny because we never give that type of power to really anyone else. If, I don't. I've never gone to my plumber and been like, "Hey, dude, it was a rough day. Man. Can I talk to you?" Like, you don't do that with most any other hobbies or arts. You just kind of exist in the space, and they kind of exist with you. But with martial arts, we put these people on such a high pedestal. For no real reason at all, mm-hmm. you know, like if you were to walk around the street and you saw somebody beating the shit out of people all the time, you wouldn't be putting them on a pedestal. You'd call that person an asshole. <laughs> but if you walk into a martial arts studio and you see your instructor beat the shit out of somebody, a lot of people will go, man, look at how well he did that. That's awesome. Yes. I want to be like that. And um, it's a very interesting standard that we hold to these instructors. I just it kind of baffles me at the same time. Like it's a very interesting and unique position to be in. Mm. So these, when we see these people in these videos, do you think that they, they actually believe that they are experiencing something or have they got to, have they told themselves the lie often enough that they actually believe it? Is it, where, where do you feel it sits? Because they, when you watch these videos, these people flying around, they, they, they seem to be genuinely reacting to something, but how have they got, how do you think they've got to that point? Well, it's easy. Um, it's not actually that hard. Um, for instance, let's let's just talk about some some basic psychology, some day to day stuff that you go through every day, right? Okay. Um, so, for instance, uh, you you have grocery stores, right? I'm assuming. I'm sorry. Like I know that's an area. <laughs> no, you know, no, it's cool. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah. So your your grocery stores, right? I have to assume that there's some of our grocery stores. There's probably aisles, and you walk up and down. You get whatever it is that you get. Yeah. Um. But, you know, grocery stores are designed very specifically in a way to make you buy more things, Mm -hmm. whether you know it or not. Mm -hmm. Like if you walk into a grocery store, you walk in and the first thing you will typically see at a grocery store is whatever the sales are for the day. Typically, most grocery stores, right? You walk in, you'll see like, oh, man, there's a two for three sale or something like that. Yeah. And then you walk past like maybe the sales bins or whatever. And they're usually the first thing that you run into. They want you to buy that stuff. And in your mind, you're going, man, that's a good deal. Not knowing that they already marked up the price before they put it on sale. Yeah. But you buy it anyway. Then when you're um, then when you're uh, go back up to the uh, the front counter, almost every grocery store does this. 
you'll notice that there's candy or there's little knickknacks right there where you're able to reach out and grab it before you, you check out. Yep. Why do they do that? Yeah, that's true. They do that because people fall for it. People are manipulated very easily. And if I walk up there and I go, man, it's just a 99 cent candy bar, then you grab it. But what happens when a thousand people do that exact same thing? Well, that store made a thousand extra bucks mm -hmm. and you don't notice that. You have no clue that the store made that extra thousand because really none of your business. But at the same time, let's imagine, let's take that and flip it around. Let's say you're buying martial arts. There are not a lot of cold calls in martial arts. There's not a lot of random people calling you to sell you martial arts. You're going to them. So they already know you want to buy the product. All they have to do is find out the reason why you want the product. Sure. For instance, you go into a martial arts studio because you want to learn about self-defense. That's pretty standard. So they convince you that they teach you self-defense. Or you want to go in to lose weight. They convince you that they can help you lose weight. All I have to do is convince you that what you want, I'm providing. Mm -hmm. Now, luckily for me, with most people, the average person only asks one question, one major question when they're on the phone about martial arts. Yeah. Do you know what that question is? I'm going to guess that you're going to say, how much does it cost? Exactly. That's <laughs> yeah. the only question they know how to ask. That's it. Yeah. They don't ask the more important questions like, are you background checked? Mm. Are you CPR certified? So if I have a heart attack or if I, not a heart attack, but if I have a medical issue, you can help me. Mm. Or um, if I get injured, can you administer first aid? Mm. Like you're in a martial arts studio. Wouldn't you think that maybe eventually you might get some type of an injury that might need some type of attention? Yeah. You know, but they don't ask these questions. They don't do background checks on the instructors to find out if they were pedophiles. They don't do any of that stuff because all they know to ask is how much. So as a salesperson, all I have to do is I have to convince you that it's the right price and it's worth it. And then I sold you. Now, typically, the average martial artist uh, trains for usually about roughly a year. That's on average. Now, if I can convince you to sign up for another year, now I have you for two. Now, that's two years of your life that's gone by. You will never get back. Two years of me feeding you whatever information I want to feed you and try to treat it as fact. And um, some people bite it and they, they go, oh, man, that's, um, that's gold. I really want more of this. And then what happens is they establish – really like almost like a religious belief and they go you know what this is my belief that this is what works in a street fight this will save me um and then if you've ever tried to convince anyone on the planet at all that their belief system is wrong you will be pleasantly surprised that they will all argue with you that you're wrong <laughs> so that's that's the similarities there is like once i've ingrained in you that what i'm saying is right and everyone else is wrong and you agree with me yeah. getting to change your mind is going to be damn near impossible you know so it's it's too late after that point now they're indoctrinated into yeah. a bullshit system so i think it's more sales than anything else i don't think that and i think that anybody could be susceptible to it yeah. i really do i don't think that it's because when sane people sit back and look at this we go that's ridiculous Meanwhile, we eat McDonald's every other day. Yeah, like you're being sold something else. I promise you. Yeah, it's true. You know? So out of interest, have you had anybody contact you to say, "Oh, I, I was practicing this, but because of your group, I now see this differently." You know, thanks for your um, thanks for helping me get out of this, so to speak. I, I have had a few people, honestly. Wow. I had a, you know, um, I had one guy. I was in New York. Um, and there's a studio called Chop and Chops. <laughs> it's a, a martial arts studio up there. And I trained with those guys. Um, and when I went there, they were laughing. They were like, hey, man, we laughed so hard when we saw our old martial arts studio on your page. 
<laughs> or um, wow. the, uh, I had I had one kid who was like, yeah, I think that the instructor that I have is in the dojo. Would you look for me? And I looked him up and I looked into his credentials and sure enough, he was a fraud. And that person quit immediately after and found a new studio. Like um, it's, it's a very rewarding job. Wow. So obviously this is tied into that now. Um, what sort of reactions have you had from sort of the wider communities that wholly either sort of angrily or supportive? Um, it all depends on who it is. Okay. So everybody laughs at it until I point the finger at them. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Everybody's like, ha ah, ha, that's funny. Oh, wait, that's me. <laughs> How dare you? You know, it's like we, people take themselves way too seriously in this. Sure. And the truth is like what most people really realize is we're, every, every studio or instructor is a little bit of a McDojo in some way, you know, like no one's perfect. That's the whole thing. You know, that's the whole the, the whole satire that I'm trying to get across is no matter what your art, whether it be jujitsu, which is about as legitimate as you can get, or whether it be Kyoshu Jitsu, which is about as fake as you can get, it's it's all good and bad in some way. Yeah. You know, like it's it's okay to laugh at ourselves. It's okay to look take an objective look at what we're doing and question our own belief system. Look at what you're doing and go, would this actually help someone in some way? And it doesn't have to be street effective. Not every martial art has to be effective in the street. It's not about that. I believe that martial arts is, a, is two words, martial arts. I don't believe it's a compound word. Like if I look at guys who do acrobatic kicking like Taekwondo guys, mm -hmm. would you ever do that in a street fight? Probably not. But is it a beautiful art? Yes, it is. Yeah. Like kung fu movies, like kung fu 99% of the time, eh, not really effective in, in altercations. But – it, you wouldn't have awesome kung fu movies if it wasn't for kung fu, so we wouldn't be nearly as entertained. So everything has a little value, you know. But you definitely, I definitely get backlash from certain communities. I get death threats, not as much as I used to, wow. but I think it's because I'm bigger, you know. Death threats were they hand delivered by somebody with a with a, <laughs> a challenge note attached to them? It's like wow, death threats. That's insane. No, that's that's a little bit old school. They they just hit me up in the DM, yeah. <laughs> you know. <they'll> just, yeah. <laughs> They'll just send me a direct message like uh, – and, you know, it's not like the old school, like, you have dishonored my family. Yeah. Like, it's not like that. It's uh, it's like, you know, they'll just cuss me out, and they'll call me a piece of garbage for calling out their instructor. The instructors are typically smart enough to stay away, yeah. um, but, the, um, but the students, they just get so irate. And it wouldn't bother me, but some of them, I think, that just are, are mentally unstable people, mm -hmm. so I kind of like – take their threats seriously but non-seriously i guess you could say sure like every threat is a serious threat but at the same time i have to understand what their reasoning is mm. like why is it so important that they hold on to what they have and really it might be the only thing they have like this guy might be the only thing that makes them legitimate in their world mm. you know they the big fish in a small pond kind of thing mm. you know they their life might be utter shit except for when they step into this person's dojo. Mm -hmm. But what they don't realize is that they're being ripped off and manipulated, and they could feel that exact same way in a legitimate school. They're just so ingrained in what this person has taught them that they, they just go with it because that's all they know. And it's uh, it's terrifying to get back out there and learn and yeah. admit you're wrong. Absolutely. Most people can't. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Now, um, this morning, just ahead of our chat, I was going through the, the site again, and um, – I was actually watching the Chi Master versus Chi Master video. I don't know what the real title of it is, but there's the two guys having the Chi off. Um, yes. And the one guy, the one guy does something, and he, the other guy uses some sort of Chi block to stop him, and then it gets him where he flies up. He, he throws himself across that TV studio, 
like a pro. Um, I just wondered, um, out of all of the things that you've seen and the videos that you've posted, um, you know, if there have been any that have been more popular or if you have a personal favorite one that stands out. Um, you know, my, my favorite ones are always the ones that are not real. I guess you could say the ones yeah. that are jokes, yeah, you yeah. know, like I love Master Ken stuff. Sure. I love uh, Hinato Laranja stuff. Um, the guys from Mexican martial arts, because they're, they're truly are satire comedy, mm. like, and they're making fun of the things that I am showing that are real. So I think it's a beautiful, it's, it, it, it's a nice contrast sure. because when I post them doing it, that's funny. And I post a video that is almost identical to somebody who's dead serious. It kind of shows the real mental issues that these people have. Mm. And uh, it kind of shines a true light and it's basically allows uh, for people who are not in the martial arts to bridge that gap because mm. I don't want my page to be just for martial artists. I want it to be for people who do, who are looking in, to get into martial arts to have some type of a standard to hold. Mm. You know, like there is no true standard, but I think that we can all agree that you shouldn't molest kids. Yes. I think we can all agree that you can't knock people out with your mind. I think we could all agree that people shouldn't lie about their credentials. I think we should all agree that it, we should be able to go to our training and feel like we'll be safe in some way. And I think we can all agree that no one wants to be ripped off financially. Yeah. And no matter what your art is, those five rules are standard, or they should be. And um, I think that that helps to kind of bridge that gap between people who train already and who are already being taken advantage of and people who have never trained who might be conned or suckered into training at those places. Mm. So thinking back to when you first you explained at the start of the, the chat, um, when you first started the, the group up, the very next day after that conversation with somebody, at that moment, did you feel or did you think this is something that coming out just again, I just quit uh, counting up this morning. You know, you've got several hundred thousand subscribers now across multiple social media networks, which is just huge numbers did you expect it to grow that fast and that much um uh i didn't know what was going to happen i guess you could say yeah. um the the internet is a very strange place <laughs> if, the was, if the internet was a real place i don't think anybody would actually ever visit <laughs> um if, that was, if there was like a town called internet no one would want to ever vacation there because it's so weird um but you know like i just uh I really – I didn't know what was going to happen because when I first started the page, I didn't get a lot of traction. Mm. It, like the first six months were pretty much a dud, um, but I didn't do it because I wanted it to be the most popular thing in the world. I did it because I thought it was the right thing to do. I just didn't understand at the time how to make it grow. Mm. Um, so I would go on these long diatribes. I'd write like these paragraph long like this is why this studio was terrible type things, and no one gave a shit because no one ever wants to hear people complain. Mm. You know, like we all have such negativity in our lives that we don't want to put ourselves through more of it, you know, like politics and people arguing about religion or people fighting in the streets. Like, no, people want to escape that. They don't want to be a part of that. And what happened was I one day I just I didn't have any material for the day and I was just kind of fed up. So I just I copied and pasted like a picture or a video of some funny clip. I don't remember what it was at the time. Um you know, but I copied and pasted it and then I moved on with my day and I wind up getting more followers, more views and more comments than I had on all the other stuff that took me hours to write. Um, and that only took me two seconds to do. So I was like, well, shit, maybe there's something here. And so I started playing with the fact that why is it that some of these all the stuff that I think is so important 
isn't catching traction while the stuff that I thought was just irrelevant is. Mm. And I realized empathy. <laughs> it's empathy. I lacked empathy. I was not understanding that not everybody is going to be as passionate about this as I am. Sure. And that's with most things. Most most people are not going to be a, as passionate about what you are passionate about as you are. So I thought about that for a little while, and I started slowly changing around what I did. And what I did instead was I'd post something funny, and then I'd post something real. Then I'd post something funny and post something real. And I went back and forth there for a while trying to find a good structure and what would work. And then finally I realized, like, my biggest problem was I wasn't allowing people to comment because I was saying so much. And if I already said it all, why would people comment? Gotcha. So I was like, well, maybe I just need to shut up. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so I would just write one sentence, which would be like an opinion yeah, yeah. or a joke, and then I'd leave it alone. And I got way more comments. And then I was like, okay, well, maybe there's some more, more to this. So then I realized that when I started making a little bit more satire, um, that people started to respond better. Because it was up to them to interpret what was going on. It wasn't up to me to tell them how to interpret it. And that's when it started to take off. And then after that, um, it had been going well and it was steady ticked up until I had like an internet troll who basically said that um, all women would never be able to beat a man no matter who they were. And um, I was like, okay, well, I, I've been doing this for a long time and I think you're wrong. Mm -hmm. And then so he, was, he basically – it got to the point where we basically said prove it and he was like, okay. Um, and he even had the statement of 80 percent, 80 to 20 percent in his favor. He would still beat a professional female fighter, even though he had. Never fought. Oh. And I was like, OK, well, I'm willing to put that to the test. And he didn't believe me. I don't think I was like because this was on my personal page. This was not on McDojo life because okay. he didn't even know I ran that page. So, of course, I took out two thousand dollars of my own money and I was like, I'll pay two thousand dollars to anybody willing to spar this dude. <laughs> and my inbox blew up. And. and uh, then there were articles written about it in languages I couldn't read. And then there were uh, reporters hitting me up. They wanted to do interviews. And wow. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> I was like, and then I looked and I realized like it was the number one thread on Reddit. And then I was like, oh, my God, like there are millions and millions of comments and shares. And I was like, well, I put up two thousand dollars of my own money to make this happen. I was like, you know what? I'd like to be able to maybe raise some more for this and we can make it a bigger deal. Mm. So I put out a, um, a GoFundMe. For anybody who was willing to help with the event, and um, it raised like four or five thousand dollars in four weeks. Wow! And then I was like, "Holy!" <laughs> and then of course everything went wrong. Um, the venue tried to pull out three days before the fight or the sparring match. The venue tried to pull out three days before, and then I had like I was on the phone for like six hours, starting at two a.m. in the morning, trying to get a new venue. Oh, wow. Finally, I got that fixed. Then, um, you know, like the day before the fight, I. Instagram or Facebook jail. So basically I got hit with a copyright infringement issue a day before the match was supposed to happen. Oh, no. And I got locked out of my account for seven days. Oh, no. And this was the day before I was supposed to go live and film this live on, on Facebook. Um, but luckily I got around that and I found a loophole. So I, I was able to still do it live if I wanted. And then I showed up to the event and then the state athletic commission and the police showed up <laughs> like, you can't do this because it's illegal. I was like, there's nothing illegal about a chick and a dude sparring. I was like, they were like, well, it's illegal to televise it. I was like, no, it's not. They were like, people paid for it. I was like, no, people paid for her to show up here. Nobody paid for her to fight. But in any case, we went back and forth that, that like that, basically because I didn't have a lawyer with me at the time. It was either continue to argue and go to jail or leave it be. So we left it be and we made it happen anyway. Um, but, you know, it's 
it just wasn't nearly as as awesome because all those articles had already been written that sure. that were basically wrong. They were like canceled, canceled. I was like, it's not canceled. It just moved. Um, but in any case, once that stuff gets out, it's too late. But my page had blown up from that. Yeah. So um, and then Joe Rogan mentioned me on his show, yeah. and then he shared my stuff, and I was like, holy crap, that's huge. Yeah. And then he did it again, and then he did it again. Yeah. And then he went on a fifteen minute conversation on his show about my page. And then that really blew my page up. And then since then, it's just been steady. Like, you know, I've been pushing for original content. I've been pushing. I changed it completely around. So that way it's a different it's more of a brand, um, you know, which it already was. But I tried to make it more professional. And then within this last month, I quit my job. And now this is all I do. Wow. Well, I was about to ask, you know, um, you know the, the plans, the next stage and how you plan to expand the, the, the brand and the group as a whole. Um, well, right now, the I've been doing interviews, which has been great. So that's that's a big step, which basically I'm going to take all those interviews that I've already done that are on YouTube and uh, convert them to audio and make it a podcast sure. because why not? It's this, You might as well. Yeah. Um, it's already there. And then, um, you know, the next the next step is to uh, start our Twitch account and then on the Twitch account, uh, get famous martial artists to basically play on our account against fans. Uh, so that would be really, really fun. I think that people would enjoy that. Um, and then, uh, after that, uh, we're actually, we're starting our website very soon. Uh, once our website comes out, the goal of the website is to basically have a website for the consumer. Okay. So there are no organizations right now that really give a damn about the consumer in the martial arts industry. There are plenty of organizations that care about the business and how to grow and retain your students. But there are no organizations that actually care and look out for the consumer. So that's what I really want this brand to be about. I want it to care about the student. I want it to care about the school. I want it to care about standards, Mm. you know, and like the martial arts community, for some reason, has been so segregated over the years. It blows my mind. Karate people always talk crap about jujitsu guys. Jujitsu guys talk about crap about stand up fighters. You know, like, oh, he tried to kick me in the head. I'm going to take him down. Or, oh, that jiu-jitsu is gay. Like, it's, it, you know, it's mm. it, it's one of those things where it's like, why segregate something that's such a small community already? You're basically shooting yourself in the foot. And what I realized the reason that is is because there is no standard. Everybody thinks that their standard is correct when the truth is, is that really they're not looking at what should be looked at. They're so busy worried about kicking and punching correctly that they're forgetting about all of these other things that are so much more important, you know, like, are you abusing your students? Like, isn't that like, I don't give a damn if you're kicking and punching correctly. Are you abusing your students? Mm -hmm. Are you taking advantage of them financially? You know, are you lying to them? These are standards that everybody should uphold. I don't give a damn what studio you're in. I don't care what art you do. You should at least hold some, some type of universal standard, you know, and that seems to be a little bit more, maybe of a moral thing, but I'm not the moral police. You know, I don't care if your instructor smokes or drinks or does drugs. I don't care if he's helping you and he's helping make you a better person. Who gives a damn what he does behind his closed doors? Mm. You know? Wow. I, well, Rob, this last nearly 45 minutes has absolutely flown by. And I just want to say a big, big thanks for being on the show and uh, for sharing with the listeners a little bit more about yourself and about the, the brand. If people want to check you out, obviously, Google's the first place to go, but if people want sort of direct links and places to go to find you, what's the best thing for them to do? Um, they can find me all over the place. Mm. Um, I, you can find me on Instagram mostly. You can find me on uh, YouTube, 
Twitter, Facebook, it's all under the same uh, tw- uh, Twitch. It's all under McDojo Life. Yep. Um, so if you go to any of those social medias, type in McDojo Life, you can find me. Um, and really, uh, as we as we continue to grow and expand, I just want people to know that I am the I'm the figurehead of the company, but the company is not about me. The company is about the community. So I answer every direct message that I get, even if it takes me a while. I do that every day. I, can, I sit down. I can, phone, vouch I, that. I can vouch for that. Definitely. You know, I will talk to everyone um, because it's not about me. It's about them. They are the community. They are what makes this brand, and uh, it has nothing to do with me. I just happen to be the guy who happens to have the finger on the button. That's it. You know, so I want to make sure that everybody understands that it's our job as a community to keep track of our community. Mm. You know, if you were in a neighborhood and you found out that the guy across the street is selling crack out of his house, you know, and there's 10 of you on your block and there's one of him, why aren't y'all as a community doing something about it? Mm. You know, because what will happen is inevitably one bad fruit will spoil the bunch. And if that person's selling crack out of his house, best believe it's going to start to spread throughout your community. I promise you. So why would we as a martial arts community sit back and let that virus of these crazy people continue to flourish when all we have to do is say or do something. Mm. Well, I commend you, sir. You're, you're, you're a brave among the many for taking this on, that I will say. And um, I look forward to seeing how things continue to grow. And um, I, for one, will be supporting you on that journey. Thank you, brother. I really appreciate Thanks, that. Sir. Thank you again for your time. And uh, hopefully we'll speak soon. Yes, sir. You're listening to Kick Back with Chris, the martial arts podcast, brought to you by www.onlinekicking.co.uk. So a big thanks to Rob for his time, um, especially given the time difference that you know we had to work. I think it's about a six or seven hours difference. Um, so I do appreciate, you know, he got up super early for us for that one. So a uh, big, big thanks to Rob. Um, again, I would like to apologize to Rob and all the listeners out there that had to um, endure that slightly squeaky audio and echoey audio at times. Um, as I say, one of my, bizarrely, one of my um, external microphones uh, that was actually positioned off my desk to declutter whilst I was interviewing, it tripped the system and it was uh, sat recording from underneath my desk rather than the one that was on my desk. Um, one of those things, um, not my best moment, but, you know, we live and learn, don't we? So, you know, apologies for that. Hopefully it didn't spoil the interview too much. Um, maybe we'll just have to have Rob on again sometime. That may be an idea. Um, so what we're going to do now is we're going to go over to our weekly Matt chat with Matthew Chapman. I was actually with Matt and um, some other people that were taking part in his 1,000 True Fans uh, workshop at the weekend, which we're going to chat a little bit about. Um, interesting enough, the content uh, within this interview with Matt this week is actually really perfectly in line with what Rob was talking about a few moments ago. Um, so what I'll do is we'll, uh, we'll cross over to Matt now, uh, catch up, and I'll speak to you soon. All right, guys, so it's time, as always, this time in the show, to catch up with McMaster Matt. How are we doing, sir? Uh, I'm very good, thank you. I don't have any weather reports today because it's, <laughs> night, it's night time here now, so <laughs> I have no idea what the weather's like. It's too dark to tell. Yes, pretty much. <laughs> so, I <laughs> love it. So, what are we going to be talking about this week, sir? Uh, we're going to kind of be talking about um, advertising in martial arts and how people advertise skill sets and services that they don't actually offer which often causes no, them problems never yeah Fredo, it happens <laughs> just a bit <laughs> so one of the uh, examples i like to use is um martial arts schools that maybe don't have 
much physical contact yeah. in their in their system, advertising that they teach self defence. Yeah, we've um, yeah we've covered this one before on a previous show, and I know it, I know it got quite a bit of. Um... Feedback, we'll say positive. We got some, we got some feedback. Uh, but no, joking aside, it was, it, you know, it caused quite a bit of division, shall we say? But I, I am in agreement with you with that one. To be fair, it's, um, you know, I, I'm, as we've said before, you know, I like to equate it to the Olympic level swimmer with the front crawl that's got the fastest front crawl in the world that's never got in the water. Yes, and exactly. Yeah. yeah I mean, I mean- it is a bit bit weird, and this is a. I, I personally try not to um, advertise a skill set I don't have. So, for example, a lot of people have asked me for, on the Mitmaster system if I do like a, a self defense orientated video, mm. and I've just said no because I'm you know I've come from a sport martial arts background. That's my sort of passion, the things I'm interested in. Uh, and I really don't have that much real life self-defense experience. I've had a few fights when I was younger and uh, the last fight I had was against a bunch of Marines in a, uh, in a pub when I was like 25. So it sounds, so, like, so, <laughs> it sounds like a Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah. Uh, and so I can't, don't really feel competent and capable to teach people yeah. about that because it's not really my, area you know and and i think uh, a lot of instructors kind of blur the lines a little bit and think just because they maybe are a bit handy in the sort of ring or in competition that they think that necessarily equates to self-defense and if you speak to anyone who knows anything about real self-defense who's been there done it faced it and come out the other side you know the skills don't really cross over like that. So yeah. there's a lot of this in martial arts. You know, people advertising that they they uh, do this certain thing, but in reality they don't, and that's dangerous. It's and you see all the videos, don't you, of the people doing crazy knife defense. I think I shared one where the guy uh, kind of had a knife against his throat, ducked his head down, and rolled underneath the person's arm, therefore cutting his own throat yeah. as yeah. an escape from the knife. And I was just like, People teach this stuff, and they their students believe it, and it's it's just downright irresponsible, dangerous, and you know not good. So, it is, and there's nothing, there's absolutely nothing wrong with respecting your own skills and yeah. the other side, your own limitations as well. You know, yes. you know, I don't actively promote that we um, teach self defense because we we don't. I mean, you know, could have. You know, possibly could a byproduct of their increased confidence through training help them to potentially keep out of those dangerous situations? Arguably, it might, but yes. I'm not going to promise anything because that yes. would be irresponsible. But yeah. you wouldn't advertise a, you know, a, a, a rugby session and then everybody turns up and it's like, well, you know. It's a bit like rugby, but it's a bit more like football. You know, <laughs> you're not allowed to tackle, or you know, do, I mean, so it's it's confusing for people. You know, you can't you can't advertise you do something and then them turn up and then it's say, not it's not only confusing; it's freaking dangerous. Yeah. You know, I, if someone thinks that uh, you know this particular move that you've taught them, never tested, never tried in a real situation against a resisting opponent who's trying to hurt you. Hmm. Uh, and you teach them that and they try it, the consequences could be, you know, 
they could get seriously hurt or even you know killed. It's just just not to be done, yeah. in my opinion. And and there's, I mean, not wanting to get on the boring side of it, but there's the legalities as well. You know, you you've got to be careful in this day and age, really. If you're, you know, I would imagine. I'm not. I'm. I'm surprised it doesn't happen more. To be honest, you know the amount of people that do actively promote, as you say, it probably like, does. No but what happens stuff. is, what happens is, you know, they, you know, their student tries to rip the crazy wrist lock against the uh, sort of nineteen stone gorilla <laughs> in the pub, gets knocked out, and then blames themselves for not executing the technique right, rather than the ah. fact that the instructor shouldn't have taught them that technique in the belief that, that they could throw this beast onto their head <laughs> you know fantasy martial arts there's a lot of it about uh so i think you know at the at the least side it's kind of mildly entertaining and slightly funny but you know at the worst it could be downright dangerous for people yeah now i mean on the other side of this i suppose with regards to the incorrect sort of advertising there are a lot of people out there that actually do themselves a bit of a disservice as well isn't there they might be teaching a really good class um, and their, their, their advertising is just horrific. It's yeah. going completely the other way. Like, you know, I, and I've been guilty of this in the past, you know, in my younger years. And, you know, I've done this nice poster and there's a me doing this big psychic, like you know, <laughs> yeah, kicking psychic, light bulbs right? out. And, and, yeah. and I'm like, come and be like this. And then somebody's looking at it and going, I don't want to do that. Is no, what they I, do I, I, they don't want to do that. They might do, but it's yeah. like they can't. Yes. They can't kick them of ankle height, so they can't possibly see themselves doing a vertical sidekick. Yeah. So, yeah, that type of advertising doesn't help much artists either. Um, I've seen all sorts of things. I've seen, like, uh, adverts for kids' classes, which shows um, people in an MMA fight getting elbowed in the head, and I'm like, <laughs> adults in an MMA fight getting elbowed in the head. I'm like, how do they think this is going to attract parents? to want to bring their kids along. Um, so, yeah, I mean, advertising and getting it right is is very, very tricky. Um, it's trying to get the right market, uh, sorry, right, the right message to the right market via the right medium. Mm. But part of that is obviously basically realizing that, you know, if you don't teach, I mean, I don't teach acrobatic martial arts. Mm. I don't pretend I do. I don't put it on my flyers for my uh for my kickboxing school, I don't teach like XMA or anything, you know, any of that because it's not a skill set I possess. And the same thing, um, when I've had people come and say, can you teach me knife defense? Because I've done a fair bit of Filipino martial arts and knife defense. Mm -hmm. I go, I'd rather not because I'll give you a false sense of security. Yeah. Like yeah. I'll, I'll make you think that you can handle this madman with a knife and you're going to get stabbed up. And I couldn't live with that. I want you to go with your natural instincts, which is to panic, <laughs> throw stuff at them, you know, put a barrier between you, run away if you can. Uh, so I've always been quite honest with myself in that, that, you know, if I don't have a particular skill set, I'll always either pass the person on to another instructor or just not try and fudge my way through and make up some crap yep. in yep. order to keep the student. Yes. Is, that's what happens. It's about being honest, isn't it? You, you know, with yourself yeah. and with you know your students, and, and yes, and you, it's not. It, it, I don't suppose it ever has been playing with this stuff, but I think you know more so now with the you know the the way that the ind industry is growing and evolving, and um, there's more and more people getting involved, and of course now with the internet and the availability of more stuff, mm. we need to be honest in what we're doing. 
and because you know we want to be putting out that positivity of of what we're doing and uh you know it's yeah it, it, it's well obviously in in the theme with today's episode with uh rob from mcdojo life you know he's made it a passion to go and call out these people so <laughs> yeah you know. i mean that's pretty hardcore isn't it <laughs> yes it is but i do kind of get it because some of this stuff that you see out there is just ludicrously dangerous and it, it you know people believe it that's that's the problem isn't it you know the no chi, chi uh knockout sort of stuff like imagine trying to do that against some sort of mad man on the street mm. you know, there was a brilliant one on 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 his site there was chi master versus chi master ah and because Ooh. yeah because they were doing the stuff on each other they both had, each other well they had to well they both kind of had to play the game didn't they because Neither one wanted to admit to the fact that neither of them were getting affected by the chi blasts. So the first guy throws the chi blast. I think the the other guy does a chi block, and then he fires one back, and the guy like full on dives across the TV studio into the people watching. I've got to watch that. I've got to yeah. find the link. Put it in the show notes, please, or something. Chi master versus chi master. You know. Yes, um, I'll have a search. This is the difficulty with this, though, isn't it? Because. Um, without wanting to go down a completely different avenue with this conversation, but if if let's say right, if there are people out there that can, and I don't send me loads of hate mail people now, okay, <laughs> for what I'm going to say, but let's say there is like one percent of these people that are kind of something like a little bit genuine. There's yeah. because there's so many people out there that are just making crap up. It 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 just. It, it wrecks it. It just totally wrecks it for, for everybody else, you know? So, of course it does. I mean, um, I personally do believe in the whole Kichi thing. I've um, done Reiki for a long time. Um, I, I do believe there is a, a like a universal energy that flows through everything, but I'm not sure it can knock bad people out from afar. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, you know? It, it sort of makes a mockery of it, doesn't it? It's... Um, well, I don't know if you're out there listening to this and you think you can chi blast us, then um, do get in touch and we'll perhaps maybe. Hey, that would that. Hey, what the hell? You're just volunteering me for to be chi blasted by some <laughs> grandmaster. I don't want it. You can do that. Well, you know, I mean, yeah. it, it, it'd be good content. Well, yeah, you go first. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh crap! <laughs> Are you worried, aren't you? No. Not at all. No, but anyway, joking aside, you know, it's all good fun. <laughs> so um, this weekend, actually, I was with you and the, and the rest of the guys at your 1,000 True Fans uh, event, which my head is still sort of buzzing from. Um, cool. I sat, I sat down to write things down today, and um, I was, where do I start? Where do I <laughs> what do I do? So, um, yeah, fantastic, fantastic event. I've now, now got loads of ideas on... Um, yeah, in, in which in which case you start with um, stuff you know already works. Yeah. So always eighty twenty percent, eighty twenty rule, whatever you're doing, right? So if you know that your videos on Facebook get a lot of engagement and get people interested, that's the thing to start with. Not to write a blog post or to do, but for you because you're Mister Cap, uh, Captain Audio, you know, using the podcast, <laughs> using the fact that you're really good at talking to people and getting information out of people and uh, making it entertaining, that would be a good place for you to start. For me, the thought of doing a podcast just fills me with fear and terror. So 
uh, it's not for me. Video works best for me. So you always start with what you're good at, what feels natural, what feels, you know, uh, good for you. I, uh, I'll do that. Ooh, I think someone just chi blasted me out of my chair from afar. No. <laughs> <laughs> I better behave. Somebody might actually do it to me. Oh dear, dear. What have I, what have I started here? Um, if you are a chi master, please don't chi blast me out of my bed or something in the middle of the night. That, you know, that, that, please don't. Um, <laughs> We're anyway, now, are we? Yeah, I've, st- I've set it up now. But no, um, thanks as always for your time, sir. Um, and we will catch up again very soon. Thank you, mate. Cheers. You're listening to Kick Back with Chris, the martial arts podcast, brought to you by www.onlinekicking.co.uk. Bit of a more lighthearted fun one there, I would say, this week. Um, but no, we actually recorded that one in the evening due to a couple of sort of scheduling classes and stuff. I just come straight out the back of a class. So yeah, um, <laughs> bit more of a lighthearted one, but obviously the message is important in there as well. And it tied in nicely with what Rob was talking about earlier with regards to um, some of the things that go on in the industry. Um, so just to finish up, I wanted to just well bring you up to date on a, a couple of things that we've got coming up. So um Coming up very soon, within the next few weeks, I'm hoping to have a uh, an interview with somebody who's been involved in the martial arts for a very long time now, both in the competing, teaching, uh, editorial, uh, events, all those sort of things, uh, Mr. Bob Sykes. Uh, as well, I'm going to be catching up with a couple of other uh, instructors across the country, talking about many different industry things. You know, Obviously, their backgrounds in teaching, running full-time schools, that sort of thing. Um, as always, oh, and another thing, actually, before I forget, thanks to the people that contributed uh, to the thread on Facebook, giving me suggestions for people they'd like to interview and tagging some people in. It was really, really kind of you guys. And I'm going to see what I can do on all of those. Obviously, I can't promise. It's down to the um, availability of the person, but I will certainly do my best. Also, uh, we now have an official store on the website. So if you head over to uh, www.kickbackpodcast.com or martialartspodcast.co.uk, whichever you fancy, um, there you can find our details of our t-shirts, our hoodies, and a few other things um, with the company that we've, we're using at the moment and they are actually able to distribute worldwide. So we thought that was the best solution rather than using a company that can only sort of distribute to the UK or the US. These guys can distribute all around the UK and you can choose. You can have a pink shirt, a black shirt, a blue shirt. You get the idea. Um, also, I have got a limited run of stickers that have just arrived and I'm going to be having a bit of a think about um, how we can best get those out to you guys for what reason. So if you have any ideas or if you just want a sticker, I might be nice and just send some out for free to start with. Um, get in touch via the, the website details as before um, also you can get me on social media on the new like page if you're on the like page please do give that a share encourage your friends to come along and like the page too and let's help grow this podcast together thanks again guys and i will speak to you next week <laughs>